the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Rob Black Podcast. Check out Rob every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and Talk910.com. Headline news. Germany supports the $1 trillion bailout plan, but many Germans not too happy with it. Fox News Radio's Phil Itner with more. German Chancellor Angela Merkel's cabinet approves support for the plan, but critics say it comes with a heavy cost, both financially and politically. The trillion-dollar plan will support the various countries in the EU hovering on the brink of collapse, countries like Greece and Portugal, and in so doing, it's thought it will save the common currency euro. But fundamentally, this calls into question the union itself. If a rich country like Germany has to raise taxes or cut services, services to help out its failing neighbors. And criticism now is rising. In London, Philitner, Fox News Radio. And most money managers that I know, they're betting against the euro. They think that this is a short-term reprieve, even after leaders devised and ultimately revised um, a sweeping rescue plan. And everyone thinks the euro is going to go lower. Everyone who has money. Despite that $1 trillion package assembled by the European Union. And, you know, the report we just said sucks to be Germany, right? What we're doing with this bailout package, it's it's the right thing, but here's what it is. Again, our stimulus plan in the United States was the right thing, but was it spent wisely? I don't think so. What they're doing is spending money. They're promising to back bonds that basically are junk. So what they're trying to say is we hope that we don't have to put this money into that bond to save it when it fails, but we will if we have to. So Germany and France are great countries with great banks and great women, okay? Portugal, Italy, Spain, nah, not so much. Greece, eh, not at all. So because they've got the weaker banks, the big boys are helping them out. But all it's really doing is making the big boys weaker. And down the road, when some of those loans fail... Germany's going to lose money because they, they put their money where their mouth was. They, they bailed out these, these bonds. And when that happens, either services are going to get cut in Germany or taxes are going to go higher or something's not going to get funded. And you see that's where the problem lies with the European Union. You've got very productive and efficient countries who are fiscally responsible, and you've got some that aren't so much so. Elsewhere in the world, crews are working against the clock, hoping to have an oil spill under control before the start of hurricane season which makes, up the, makes the cleanup even more messy. Can you imagine a hurricane hitting an oil spill right now? Not good news. More from Fox News. We're a month away from hurricane season, and if they don't get this cleaned up now, uh, if we have a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, it's going to mean complete disaster because a hurricane is just going to push all of that oil inland. Um, so they really need to get their act together now if they can. That's Fox meteorologist Janice Dean. And again, 
that's not what we want, right? We know there's this huge oil spill. We kind of could see it on on satellite maps. Go send the, the, the crews to clean it up before the hurricane hits and, and sends it left, right, and every which way. That would be making a disaster, double disaster. Elsewhere, Toyota cruising back into profit land in the last quarter. Fox News Radio's Mike Tuggle reports from Tokyo. Toyota is moving into the black. Japan's largest exporter released their latest financial numbers, posting a profit for the fiscal year of $2.2 billion. The carmaker had lost money for the first time in its history last year. Incentives and internal cost cuttings steered Toyota out of the red. This after the car company recalled nearly 10 million vehicles worldwide. Analysts say the full impact of the recall crisis won't be known until next year's numbers come out. But an upbeat Toyota president, Akio Toyota, says he sees the light at the end of the tunnel. In Tokyo, Mike Tuggle, Fox News Radio. Toyota still has problems. Even though they're profitable in light of all of this, they're selling cars in light of all of this. They still have multiple lawsuits over faulty gas pedals in the United States that have been blamed for 58 deaths. So that's going to be some more headline risk, but fundamentally, stock looks good. Elsewhere, students want it. University have started offering it. Fox News Radio's Jessica Rosenthal has more on the increase in demand for green degrees. When UCLA's Institute of the Environment first offered its green undergrad degree, a BS in environmental science, it had six students. Three years later, it has 230. We really need more people in this field, so I changed my major. Anna Chang was majoring in psychology. A lot of um, businesses and um, institutions are already making really good changes. Institute Director Glenn McDonald says from 1995 to 2008 in California. There was a 36% increase in employment in green, clean tech, sustainability positions. Chris Villars is a spokesman for Boeing. He says they need people who can make them more efficient. It's definitely a growing field. This is not separate, standalone. It's the way companies are doing their business in the future. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News Radio. I'm a little bit leery of a green degree. Just to be quite honest, that's my initial reaction. And uh, this new segment is about my reactions to the new stories that are out there. I further would take this and say, if you've got a son or daughter, I would do everything you can to make sure that they research their degree and find out how much it pays a lot of kids in college go, I want to be an English major because they don't want to do the math and science of engineering. Had you told them, being a, a math and science engineer, you're going to make $150,000, $200,000 a year till the day you die, or you could be an English major and make thirty dollars to $40,000 a year, a lot of kids would probably go for the higher, higher education, the higher degree, so to speak. I really don't know what green degrees pay, but the, the snippet of the girl in there, she didn't exactly sound like a rocket scientist. It sounded like an easy way out for her. I'm not so sure I would go for a green degree instantly, and I'm not so sure that it's going to have a lot of value anytime soon to corporations. Elsewhere, the NASCAR Hall of Fame comes rolling into Charlotte, North Carolina. Race fans waited as the more than 40,000-square-foot Hall of Fame opened its doors yesterday. Today. Yay. There we go. Let's, Let's listen in. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the NASCAR Hall of Fame is open in Charlotte, North Carolina. Have a great day. NASCAR Hall of Fame. What would Rob Black possibly have to say about NASCAR Hall of Fame? Well, Charlotte, North Carolina just became more of a tourist destination. And real estate in Charlotte, North Carolina probably just went up a little bit higher. There's going to be a lot of dealerships there. There's going to be a lot of um, uh, shops that set up. Like, for instance, Dale Earnhardt, he might set up a speed shop right outside the Hall of Fame so that the tourists see one and do the other. So you're going to see more business going there. Real estate just went up in Charlotte, North Carolina. I know you're saying, really? 
NASCAR is the number one sport in America as far as viewership goes. Heidi has something to say. And people in, where was it, Charlotte, North Carolina, yeah, yeah. will remain fat. <laughs> Why is that? That's not a sport. That's I'm going to sit on my butt in the stands and watch cars go around. That is not a sport. Have you ever seen a, a live racing event, whether motorcycles or cars? No. Okay, I think you need to go once before you judge, Little Miss Judgment. Oh, I am going to judge. I don't need to go to NASCAR. Judge from afar. I don't need to go to NASCAR to know that that is the lamest sport ever. It's a. It's for the spectators. It's not. You can't claim it's a sport. It's not. It's for fat people. It's a sport for fat people. That's actually a yes. sport for short, small people, as far as the drivers go. Um, it, I think it's a sport. I, th- I think it's it's. I think there's a lot. If you watch a race, like if you watch the Indianapolis 500 this year, Heidi, I, I'm not going to say you're going to be hooked, but you have to have a good sound system. And it goes, like the sounds of it. I, I went once to Sonoma and their, their big race that they do every year. The sounds of it was the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's like a sound of a car crash. Once you've heard it, you'll never, ever forget it in your life. And finally today, a new study provides an interesting new twist in the nature versus nurture debate. Fox News Radio's Carly Poulet reports. Psychologists at Yale University say we may have a moral sense from the very start of life. They conducted a series of experiments and found babies as young as six months old already have a notion of right and wrong. One experiment used puppets where a naughty character was introduced along with a good one. And what researchers found was that the infants overwhelmingly prefer the good puppets over the bad ones. House Call for Health, I'm Carly Pouliot, Fox News Radio. So kids are born with a sense of, of morality. I saw an article, and you can go to the New York Times right now and grab this one, or maybe we'll sit have our web designer do this. But are, are babies moral? And I saw that about a week ago, and it's still the number one read article in the New York Times. And it's a fascinating – it's a long article. It's one of those four-pagers. And the study was – this is pretty cool. They would put puppets, three puppets, so puppet in the middle, puppet on the left, and puppet on the right. And the puppet in the middle had a ball, and he would give it to the puppet on the left. And the puppet on the left would give it right back. And then the puppet in the middle would give the, the, pup, the, the, the ball to the one on the right, and that puppet would run away with the ball. Then they put basically rewards and the three puppets on top of a reward. And the baby would go to the one that ran away from the ball and bonk it on the head and, not, and, not take, can, and take the candy away from it. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing where you're like, well, first and foremost, how do our college systems or how do our research centers afford such money and such grants to study things like this? But kids are born knowing right from wrong. It changes the way you potentially should parent your kid. It's a, it's a fascinating story. So go to New York Times, nytimes.com, and, and search for moral ba- morale babies, M-O-R-A-L babies. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Coming up, we're going to have Marcelo. And I've got some stock news for you a little later in the show. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. Because you want to be able to afford your midlife crisis. It's the Rob Black Show on 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. Call now, 1-800-345-5639. 345 5639 to get your calls on the air. Good Marcelo in Nevada. Hi. Uh, my Hi. question is, uh, right now, it's a good time to buy a house. I'm a first-time uh, buyer. Um, how much money do you make? Uh, no much. 
<laughs> that's that's a good answer. Not much. Yeah, but so what are you gonna uh, pay? How are you gonna pay your mortgage? Uh, well, I think I can. I can afford no one thousand seven hundred a month. Okay, you can afford seventeen hundred a month. Yeah. Okay, so what what do you make per year? Uh, about uh forty two. Forty two. So yeah. in theory, do you have anything like? Did Grandma leave you a big chunk of money, or uh, do you have a, a gold guitar? Is, do you have anything anything that's worth something? No. So you can afford about a hundred thousand dollar home. Uh, can you find a hundred thousand dollar home where you live? Uh, I don't think so. Well, then you can't afford to buy a home. So yeah. that, that's what it comes down to, in my opinion. Now, some real estate agents are probably like getting ready to slap me through the telephone, and because they want you to buy something you can't afford, and then go. What they won't say is, "Well, it'll go up, and then you could refinance it." But if it doesn't go up and you can't refinance it, then you can't afford it. So, uh, yeah, you could you can buy a home. There's no doubt about it, Marcelo. But I think there's a very good chance you're going to go bankrupt fast if you do. Oh, really? I'd rent. Yeah. So uh, you could typically afford about two and a half times your salary. That, that's uh-huh. that's a ballpark. Let's go four times your salary, and you're looking at 160,000. So you're not looking a lot. I would, I would really seriously not, not pursue a home unless you can figure out a way that you could afford it. You're looking at 10 to 20 percent down to get a good loan, and then uh-huh. you're looking at you know 42,000 a year. And thanks for the call. That's uh, what per month? Let's call it 35, 36. Let's call it 3,000 a month. So you're willing to say I bring home three thousand a month, and I'm going to put seventeen hundred of my 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 money into that house. So you're putting about fifty five percent of your income into that house. You should never, ever, never. And again, in this case, it's a hundred thousand dollar house. Um, is what you can afford or what you'll get approved on. In this, you should never go over forty percent of your income to a house payment. I don't think you're anywhere near affording a house in the Bay Area again. Tell me what house you're looking at. I'll tell you if you can afford it. That's for sure. Um, I, I consult for a company called Bay Area Loan Source, a mortgage company. I make sure that anyone who does business with them doesn't get in over their head as far as what they can and can't afford. And, you know, I want to see no loans go upside down, none. I, I, I feel tragedy when I see people lose their homes or stress about their, their mortgage. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. One of the things I did as a teenager was I'd go to video stores. And look at the movies that I, I, my mom and dad wouldn't let me see. You know, 15 years old, 16 years old, 14 years old. You want to rent a movie, right? And, like, I had heard Caddyshack had nudity in it. And I, I've never seen a nude woman. Uh, and I wanted to see a nude woman when you're 14, you know, kind of thing. I'd actually seen a nude woman. I saw the movie The Sensuous Nurse. It was on Showtime one night. And, uh, well, that was my first exposure to nudity. And uh, my parents didn't know I was watching it at 12 o'clock at night. And it was kind of funny because my hand was on. We didn't have remote controls back then. I know you're saying you didn't have remote controls back then. No, my hand was actually on the cable box because you actually had to con- you had to switch the cable box on top, either on or off. So I had my hand on the cable box while I had my hand, other hand somewhere else. And I'm watching nudity for the first time. Anyway, long story short, I, I know you're saying you had Showtime back in 1980. I know. It's kind of cool. Um where do I go with this story? Dear God, where do I go with this story? Oh, going to the video stores. Do you remember going to the video stores and you'd look at the back and you'd be like, ooh, she's pretty. I want to rent this because as a boy, you had business to take care of. And, you know, you'd rent the slapstick comedies back in the 80s and 90s. A lot 
a lot of the slapstick comedies would have one topless scene and you would pause your VCR on it. Yeah, I mean, you lived for this. But anyway, we're, we're not going to movie stores anymore. We're not going to the video store anymore. The video store is going the way of the dodo bird. Movie gallery, owner of a retail chain of rental companies, they, they own Hollywood Video and Movie Gallery. They're, they're going to re- close the remaining stores. They're going to liquidate as consumers increasingly get movies through the mail, through those kiosks, the, the, the red envelope one, um, as well as through high-speed internet connections. So truly, Blockbuster is shutting down, except for just a few key locations. And now Movie Gallery and Hollywood Video, gone. That's, that's stunning. In this day and age, the bankruptcy court for the Eastern District of Virginia and Richmond said that it's going to terminate its business operations after defaulting on a loan from one of its creditors. So Movie Gallery, Hollywood Video, gone. Now, phone calls to Movie Gallery weren't returned. Second trip through bankruptcy for the company in just three years. They gave it their, a run. They really gave it a run, and it failed. It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't going to happen. It's a, a dying age, if me and my sugar booger were to say, hey, what business do you want to start up? And she says, let's do a video store. I'll be like, you're smoking crack, you crazy yonker, and I'd punch her in her head. Um, like, that's a bad business in this day and age, because I want to use the red box machine. I have that game in my head. If I can rent a movie for a dollar and get it back in 24 hours, I'm on top of the world. And if I can do it, like, that's, that's a game for me. And then there's some nights where you and your sugar booger are sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. And you go, what are we going to do tonight? And she goes, let's see the movie Blindside. Sandra Bullock's in it. It's going to be good. Oh, God. I, if I never have to see a Sandra Bullock movie in my life ever again, I would be happy. The crap that comes out of that actress is awful. The movies that she makes are awful. The Blindside was an awful movie. It was quaint. It was, con- it was contrite. It was, it was crap on a stick. It was awful. <laughs> Thank you very much, Heidi. Did Heidi see The Blind Side? Or is she once again judging from afar? Because she likes... All NASCAR fans are fat, and it's not a sport. And what's her other judgment? Did you see The Blind Side? I didn't. And I, but I actually, it, just because I wouldn't... Yes, I'm judging from afar. I wouldn't <laughs> see that crap. I'm assuming it's crap. You're right. Sandra Bullock, she... Speed? Speed 2? Speed, like, speed was good. Shut up. Speed was good. A bus that uh, can't go under 70 miles per hour, right. that's good stuff. Right. That's horrible. No, no, yeah, that's good stuff. They, you, you got that confused. No. Uh, I give a thumbs down. I'm not going to go out and see it. Um, but the author of the book, The Blind yeah. Side, I think he might interest me a little more. That, I agree. And again, who wants to see a Texas woman uh, become endearing to a, a black guy three times her size and invite him into her home where she's got a teenage daughter? It would never happen quite like that. And it just looks so predictable and it's it's meant to, you know, create so many emotions of positive feelings and it's uh, blah, gross. In her Botox face, she's only got like one emotion that she can make. Totally. And it's shocked. So like the, the, the kid comes from a bad neighborhood and she goes, you, you've never eaten vegetables? And like the look on her face is like, it's like a cat be, about to be hit by a car. Like, that's the only face that she can get is a cat getting hit by a car face. And then, again, I haven't seen this movie, so I'm just making this up. But then, yeah. you know, she's going to come in and she's going to save the day and she's going to be a do-gooder. And she's going to help that underprivileged child. And she's going to badmouth her overprivileged friends in right. the process. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's, I, I think we just pretty much, like, explained the entire movie. Somebody can call in if they say I'm wrong or you're wrong. No, I, 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 bet, I, saw, I bet we're not. I, I saw the movie. Oh, you did? I, I was okay. forced to watch that drudge. <laughs> 
So, and all I'll say is it, it stole two hours of my life. So am I right or wrong? You're right. You're, okay. It was awful. And it was, You're it right was, too. It was, it was um, like I said, just contrite. And like, it's maybe if it was a TV uh, after, t- after school special, that's fine. That's fine. You know, be a good person and, and take in the big black guy who's not part of your culture and, and learn to live together. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you no one. No, no, I'm not going to bet that. Anyway, more movie reviews coming up with Heidi in the future. She's good. Her commentary is good. Uh, what, what, in fact, we will review what's coming up. Mm, the new Robin Hood movie. Now, who does it need? And, uh, let's go ahead and review it right now because I think we could probably do it. An Australian playing an Englishman, and there'll probably be a, a a big kiss and a bad guy in it. Tell us who's in that. Um, Do you know? Yeah, who's the 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 Australian guy? Um, there's a couple. There's like three good actors in there. I don't think he's a good actor. Uh, Russell Crowe. Oh, never so, mind. I take that back. Kate Blanchett. She's good. Yeah. And Mark Strong, who I don't know. So anyway, it's gonna suck, and people who like it suck. So that's my review of it, and we've already seen the movie twenty five times already. And who can beat who can beat the the nineteen eighties the nineteen nineties version of of Robin Hood? Probably my favorite. So <laughs> not Men in Tights, uh, the one with Kevin Costner, where he's got the worst English accent uh, of all time. So yeah, Kevin Costner played Robin Hood as well. So. Bet you didn't know. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's take a break here. Get out, regroup, think it over. Russell Crowe, he's done. He's over. He's, I don't know. That's all I'm going to say. 800-345-5639. It's Roblox at 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Listening to the Rob Black Show on 9:10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Call Rob now at 1-800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's do a little bit of business time. Oh yeah, it's business time. It's business time. This is the flight of the converts, and they're going to be in Berkeley very, very soon, and that will sell out. We're going to try to get you tickets for it because they're a fun comedy duo, singer, songers, laugh out loud kind of show. Anyway, a little business time, and I love the listener who sent me an email and said every time he wants sexy time with his wife, he starts singing business time. And I said, was she was she mad at you? Because I put that song in your head and, and thus into her head. And she goes, he goes, no, she loves it. So uh, I like a couple who can communicate openly about sex. I think that's important. Anyway, business time. Pump prices. They've already risen sharply in California and most of the nation. The average price of gasoline up 2.1 cents to $3.13. Prices rose everywhere except for the Midwest and the New England region. California average gasoline is up 72 cents higher than it was last year. Elsewhere in the world of business, let's get down to business. Beauty is my business. Uh, Toyota 4Runner, SUVs, and T100 trucks are in a safety probe. The United States is examining whether the automaker Toyota delayed disclosing a serious steering defect. An announcement came today from Roy LaHood. I mean, nothing Toyota's doing these days is it's it's like everything they touch gets gets recalled. 
or there's a new safety review or the government's mad at them. Federal regulators launched another safety investigation into Toyota yesterday. They're examining whether the dealer and the maker delayed disclosing a serious defect in the steering system on 4Runner SUVs and T100 trucks. Toyota is now under at least eight separate federal safety investigations and reviews. A ninth was closed last month. Like I said, it's stunning how much bad news the company has. And elsewhere in business time, they made $2.2 billion in profit. They're having every vehicle recalled. They're having massive penalties that have never been seen before in the auto industry. They're having lawsuits thrown against them, and they roared to a $2.2 billion annual profit. I can't make this up. So now they they thwarted a third year in a row in the red, partly due to the strong performance in the three months, January, February, and March, period when they recalled millions of cars and was under intense scrutiny. Now, the net profit they got, it probably won't be large enough to cover for the year uh, next year, as far as you know, they're they're still facing problems. But amidst their storm, they're still coming out profitable, and this is I, to me that's that's pretty pretty amazing. They had a rebound in the Chinese market and the United States. Europe and Japan continue to slump. So when you see that Europe and Japan continue to slump, it's not because Toyota makes crappy vehicles. It's not because of the safety recall issues. It's because the European economies and the Japanese economies suck, and they're, they're, they're ultimately hurting. Now, here's a good idea, bad idea. Not quite sure where I feel about this, because I think it's up to you to figure it out on your own, but the FCC won't bother me. Now, the FCC said today that they're seeking public comment on a plan that would require wireless phone companies, Verizon or AT&T in the Bay Area, to notify customers when they're running up unusually high charges for data usage, roaming, or other uses beyond what is covered by the regular monthly fees. I love the idea. I do. In theory, I like the idea of if my kid or your kid has a phone and he's doing nonstop texting and going to you know porn sites and downloading videos and, and downloading video games and, and all that kind of stuff, I like the idea that the, the, the phone company will call you. It seems 21st century, doesn't it? For instance, with my bank, if there's any transaction over $300, they email me. And because I got email on the phone, or they text alerts you. Uh, your bank will do that typically. All banks do that now. And I think it's a pretty good idea so that you don't get scammed or, or taken in any way, shape, or form. But anyway, wireless carriers in Europe, they're already required by law to send text messages to consumers after they've started running up roaming charges or when they get close to setting a limit for data usage. I like the idea, and I, it seems like it should have been there a long time ago. Uh, you know, we talk about getting into credit card problems and debt problems for a lot of us back in the nineties, these calling plans were, they weren't enough. And we had run up phone calls and I I mean, do you remember beepers? Do you remember carrying a beeper? I used to carry a beeper when I was coming out of college. Like I, that's just, that's got douche written all over it in this day and age. Um, anyway, long story short, uh, that was expensive. I mean, I paid 19 bucks a month for a beeping service. And now in this day and age, you kind of giggle about that, and, and you think, man, 21st century has buried some of these old archaic technologies. But um, I like the idea of text messages saying when you get to your limit, because I remember you know, what should have been a $60 phone bill would be a $200, $300 phone bill. And I, you can't afford that when you're 20 years old. No way. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Um, there's a new technology company that's getting press release 
I mean, they're getting news is probably the right way of saying it. And I don't really know much about this company, but it's tied towards you know, social networking, the oversharing movement. And today it gets a new player. It's a company called Swipely. You can go to Swipely.com. And again, some of the names that we're coming up with now for .com ventures, kind of pathetic. So it's S-W-I-P-E-L-Y.com. And it's like, for some reason, you think that the world cares about the way you spend money. So the company has a, a rival called Blippy. Now, these are both kind of startups. They're getting a little bit of traction. Now, they let you link your credit or debit cards to their site and share information about everything you buy with your friends. So basically, you, you punch in your credit card and you go for a round of beers today and it's going to show up on the site. And your friends will be like, oh, I'm so jealous. You went for beers today. And I, I don't quite understand it. But obviously, to me, there's some massive privacy risks. Like when, let's say you go to a prostitute and you give her a credit card and it says, you know, the jolly hoe. Like, and suddenly it's on your, your, your website and all your friends can see it. I'm not really all that crazy about the idea. I, I don't quite get it. So inadvertently exposing the credit card numbers to a small group in its early state, I, that doesn't feel good to me. Now, Swipely was started up by a guy named Angus Davis. Now, I like all guys named Angus. That's a mom and dad who had a sense of humor. Let's name our kid after a side of beef, Angus. And he was a Netscape and a, a Tell Me veteran. And ultimately, he's trying to do things a little bit different than Blippy. Ultimately, uh, he's hired some good executives, some good Silicon Valley veterans, Ron Conway and former Google executive Chris Saka. And it's a private company, invite-only testing period this week. But they're trumpeting a focus on trust and security, saying that it protects credit card numbers with bank-grade encryption and that it's been vetted by privacy authorities like VeriSign and Trustee. Now, Swipely's design mimics Facebook's familiar look and feel. And it's embedded access to ultimately listings of 250,000 retailers and restaurants, which allow users to do the extra legwork to get a little bit more specific about what they did. So it's, it shows my, my bar tab day from going to Max's, going to Max's in San Mateo for a liquid lunch with my buddy. And uh, then I'm, I'm supposed to go to the site later and say, ah, me and my buddy, we talked about old college days and we picked up a waitress and, and uh, gave her our phone number and we laughed a lot. And then we laughed so hard we threw up on the table. Then all my friends would be like, oh, my God, I'm so jealous. I wish I could do that with you. I just don't get it. I, it's just one that I don't get. I know we have a culture of sharing on Facebook our photos, putting up, you know, our exhibitionist side. Like every time you put a photo up on Facebook, you're basically consciously saying, mm, I want people to look at this for some reason. You know, I want them to see how good looking I am in a bikini or how good looking my kid is with sunglasses on. Um, to me, that's very mundane. But once you start putting up, like, what you did at a drugstore, like, you, you went and got your, your Valtrex filled because you got, you know, the, the herpes, you got the, 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 the HIV or whatever you got. Um, once your, your, your pharmacy stuff starts showing up online, I mean, if, if I ever have to see anything like this of yours, I will cancel you from my account. If this somehow gets imported into Facebook and people start going, oh, my God, like, I just went to CVS. I am so going to kick you. I will never talk to you again. I will never befriend you. I will defriend you. I will never, I, I, I will hate you and I will start a campaign to smear you in the public. I don't want to know about you going to CVS. I barely want to see your ugly kids. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 
5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Sports cars and women are expensive. With Rob's help, you can afford them. You're listening to The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. This is a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. And sometimes it's not about hitting the right stock and hitting a home run in it. And sometimes it's not about your 401k. And sometimes it's not about buying bad insurance products. But sometimes it's about just looking at things like things that you spend money on. I've told people that I owned a Toyota Tercel for over 200,000 miles, and it was awful. It was the most embarrassing car possible. Sometimes it would, it would kick out a big bang when you, when you turned it off. Um, it had no air conditioning. It had an AM radio. It, it wasn't all that in a bucket of chicken, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and I went on dates on it, and it probably didn't help me, but it, I was thrifty, and I made more money, and I was able to save more money, and it was an easy car to fix. My repair bills weren't high, and my insurance was incredibly low. Sometimes it's about the money that you save. You know, I didn't have a $300 car payment in my 20s or a $400 car payment or a $500 car payment. Uh, let's talk with Califia Sundry. She's written a book, and it's kind of right up my alley. It's called Be Thrifty, How to Live Better with Less. Califia, how are you today? I'm doing great. So now I just told a, a, a funny story about my car, and I'm embarrassed <laughs> by it. I'm ashamed by it. But you've got a whole book on this. <laughs> yes. You know, it's about spending on what matters and saving when you can, you know, so you can get what you really want. Maybe driving that car, maybe it would have allowed you, you know, to eat out, take your dates out to dinner or go on a nice vacation. So exactly. it's all about prioritizing. It really is. And, and being thrifty, you know, it's, it's your home, it's, a, it's your health care, it's your food. It's, it's a lot of issues that we may not be thinking of. And you've basically taken our whole life and you've, you've made it thrifty for us in this book. Yeah, that was our aim. That was our aim, you know, because everyone has their own areas of thrift, their own level of thrift, their own ways of they, that they could cut back and save their own lifestyle. So we wanted to include as much as possible so that everyone could find themselves in here. And I, I'm looking at your, your, your bio, and you've worked as a magazine editor, a cookbook editor, a restaurant manager, and a recipe writer. So you're doing a lot of things that um, save us money. Well, you know, food, yeah, food is my background, and that is a huge area of savings. Um, and you know, I did I did contribute uh, some some tips to the food chapter. Certainly, working in restaurants, professional chefs are the absolute thriftiest people you will ever meet. The profit margin is you know razor thin, so they don't throw anything away, so they can avoid it. Um, and food is an area that people really do overspend on, particularly eating out, um, sort of mindlessly takeout lunches, things like that. Um, but the book covers, you know, so many areas, and I certainly, even though I consider myself a thrifty person, I learned a thing or two. Yeah, and again, for instance, I'm in your first chapter about your home sweet home, and you, you give a recipe on how to do your own wood cleaner. And I, I would never have thought about it, but I'll go to Home Depot this weekend, and I'll, I'll spend 5 $6 on a wood cleaner, and yet I didn't know that all you really need is a quarter cup lemon juice, a, a little bit of soap, and uh uh, a little bit of oil, and, and you're done. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we have thing, we have recipes like that for floor cleaner, for you know, really all you need under your sink. Um, ultimately, is baking soda, vinegar, and microfiber cloths, and you can do almost anything. But the lemon is great for great for wood cleaning as well. I, 
did not know that. So your book is helping me. Uh, on the cover, there's a, there's a chapter, Califia, and I'm sorry if I'm saying your name incorrectly, but Califia. Um, Califia, yes. Califia. Oh, now I'm blowing it. I just got to think Californian. I got it. Exactly. California. That's where it comes from. <laughs> Were your parents hippies? Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just checking. You got it. Just checking. Just figuring that out. Um, one of the, the chapters is on joining a babysitting co-op. Kids are expensive. It's $250,000 from age zero to 17 and mm-hmm. another 250 for college at this day and age if you have a kid yeah. today. So a babysitting co-op is a great idea. And like I do that where we basically swap babies with other people and it's not really a co-op for us. It's, it's informal, but it's the right idea. It's the right idea. That's a co-op. I mean, it's sort of a form of bartering, actually, if you think about it. And bartering is getting a kind of bad name right now because of that Nevada politician and her comment about chickens. But, you know, bartering is something that we can apply to all sorts of different areas of life. And in your case, you're talking about childcare, which is hugely expensive, and it's I'll take care of your kid, you'll take care of my kid, everybody wins. But, you know, even if you don't have kids, perhaps you, you know, perhaps you're a web designer and you can get someone to help you, you know, paint your house. <laughs> If you do some web design, I mean, I've bartered for guitar lessons, for web design services, for restaurant meals, you name it. How good are you at the guitar? <laughs> oh, I'm just a student. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Um, but this is just a, a fun book for me. I'm, I'm not cheap. I just I want people to get to retirement. And this is the exact idea. So I'm going to put this I'm going to start pushing this book because, again, it's not just about learning how to invest in, in you know, right type of insurance. But like, for instance, um, kids are not kids, but pets. Pets are my kids today. But they can be expensive. You know, food with vet care, with grooming, with with toys. They're not cheap. They're as expensive as a kid is, if not more. Yeah, well, there. You know, we spoke to a veterinarian and asked in some areas about of, of savings, and you know, there are some arguments for and against um, pet insurance. Although the veterinarian we spoke with ultimately came down in support of of pet insurance, um, but we also talk about um, you know, we have recipes for making your own pet treats, um, pet toys. You know, because just like little kids, really, you know, a, a cat is happiest with a you know an empty cardboard box. Yep. <laughs> They don't need, you know, they need love and they need care, but they don't need all the fancy stuff that we're buying them. And um, so we have great craft projects making pet beds and um, dog sweaters and really easy stuff that will make your pets happy. And, you know, we do, we spend so much money as a nation on pets, and um, that's a really easy area to cut back on and still have healthy, happy pets. I'm speaking with Califia Sundry. She's co-author of Be Thrifty, How to Live Better with Less. You can jump on Amazon.com and uh, get a copy of it uh, right here, right now. Am I saying the name wrong? My producer's killing me. It's Cal- Califia. Like Califia. California. Oh, it's the Fia. Is that I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's, it's me. It's not you. No, don't worry about it. So, well, people will remember it, if nothing else. Um, with that said, another issue, for instance, is the gem. I spend a hundred dollars a month on my gem and mm-hmm. I, I kind of like it cause there's a, uh, a cafe there so I can meet mm-hmm. business clients there. And, you know, I can, there's also, it's a tennis club. So everyone who's there, that's not like going to 24 hour fitness where it's the scum of the earth. It's kind of <laughs> high end. So I'm a little bit of a snob and yet I don't even need a gym, do I? Well, you know, far be it from us to recommend that people not go to the gym because being healthy is the thriftiest thing that you can do, really. Right. Um, but, no, gym membership, that's one area that I did cut back on um, because I found a great – I live near the beach. I found a great set of stairs. Um, I just – you know, all you need is a pair of running shoes. You get down to the stairs, do the stairs. We have some, you know, 
toning exercises in the book um, as well. Um, or else there are other alternatives like, you know, the YMCA. Some people's workplaces have gyms. It's definitely an area that you can look at. And a lot of people go to the gym a lot less than they think they do. So it sounds like you use your gym and you're probably getting your money's worth, but you need to really realistically break down how often are you actually going because sometimes the pay as you go ends up being um, – you know, if you're only going four times a month, the pay as you go for ten, twelve dollars is a better deal than your gym membership. I'm digging your book because we misspend money on so many levels. And um, for instance, you show, and this is this is hilarious. You show how to give a kid a haircut. You show how to give a woman a haircut. You show how to give a man a haircut. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, Those that's, haircuts are expensive. That's hilarious. Cause like, yeah, I, I know. It's something that I've heard a lot. A lot of women have spoken to me and said, I love this. I've started cutting my husband's hair. Now I know how. Um, <laughs> you know what's cool about that is, and I'm going to just call you Miss Suntree from now on. <laughs> what's cool about that is if, if my wife or if a woman cuts a man's hair, it's incredibly sexy. It's romantic. <laughs> Absolutely. There's touching going on. It's by someone you trust. Men love to have their heads touched. Very, oh, yeah, well, everyone does. I mean, it's the best part. But also, there you have, you know, 65 bucks you've saved. No Do doubt. Something else as a couple with it. 65 bucks, that's 650 a year. You know, that, that's, that's a lot of money that we're, we're spending on chomping our own little hair down. Or I know, the, I, I know. So, but you, now you're not, you're, you're easy on the eye. I mean, you're not totally being thrifty. <laughs> so you're not buying all your clothes used, are you? I do. Really? I learned, I learned from this great essay we have in Be Thrifty by this woman who is a fashion editor in, in New York, and she learned how to master eBay. And I learned from her. And um, what you do is you go out, you find exactly what, you know, go to the stores, find exactly what you want and the size and the style, and troll eBay. And I buy, you know, between consignment shops, which are popping up all over, and eBay, um, I buy pretty much every, I, I, I kind of have expensive taste in clothes, and so eBay has been a lifesaver. Okay, I'm with you on that. Um, there's chapters on how to fix a running toilet. There's chapters on how to fix a lamp that's that's uh, broken its wiring. I mean, you really cover this all. How long did this take you to put together? We did it in a hurry. You know, we did it in just a few months because we felt like there was a need right now. We didn't want to wait. Um, everyone was talking about this, and we felt like people really needed advice. And, yeah, so we put it together in just a few months thanks to all the experts we consulted and the great material we found. Thanks for your help today, and um, I'm going to highly endorse this book. I'm going to push people. I'll push it for years and years and years because saving money is half the battle of getting to retirement, in my opinion, Miss Sunshine. It's a timeless message. It's, it's a great, and you did a good job, and I, I congratulate you, and I, I think this is long overdue to have a, a, a simple Bible on how to save money. Or how yeah, to, thanks for what you do as well. Oh, you're too kind. So <laughs> thanks very much. It's Calafia. I got it right once. Calafia Sunshine, author of Be Thrifty. You can jump on Amazon.com. And this is a great book for parents to give to their kids. It is a great book for parents to give to their kids. It's a good book for parents. But if if I were 20 and I'm learning this stuff or 30 and I'm learning this stuff, this is bona fide good material on saving money. It's Califia Suntree. So you can go to Amazon, search Suntree. It's co-written by Pia Catan. <laughs> uh, but just remember Suntree. And uh, the book is Be Thrifty, How to Live Better with Less. Get this book for your kids this t- economy's tough. This recession's tough. I think the days of spinning crazy are over. We'll talk about that in the future. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Talk to you in 22 hours. Until the end of time. So you got to let me know. 
Should I stay or should I go? It's always tasty. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.